This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. So welcome to At 530 on Main. We are at the Extend office here at 530 Main Street, Evansville, Indiana. Just went through with everyone, talked about what At 530 on Main uh, is all about. Uh, VPS architectures and the physical business, building physical experiences, Extend Group uh, brand and cultural experiences. And today we have a very special guest. This is our first live on YouTube today. We have Jeremy Kubicek from Giant Worldwide, Giant TV. I'm gonna let him tell his story because every once in a while I'll pick up the, uh, the bios, read them, and just absolutely, uh, your story's better told by you. So, Mike, welcome. How you doing down there? Good, good. So, some people may know my role. I'm the Ed McMahon to the, his Johnny Carson. So oh, wow. Yeah. I just kind of laugh at his jokes. And Do people know who Johnny Carson along. and Ed McMahon are? I'm just curious. <laughs> so, Jeremy, last night was at Ivy Tech. What, what, how did last night go for you, Jeremy? It was awful. It was one of the worst moments. No, it was so good. <laughs> I told the group, it was like, you guys are all guinea pigs. This is my first foray with this keynote. And so it was really good because I got to use that to make it better. And uh, uh, the book launch uh, happens on uh, October 4th. So I'm on a, I'm calling it the peace tour. So I'm on a peace tour. I'm speaking across the country at different places like this. And, and so it was really fun. So uh, tell us a little bit about the journey of Jeremy Kubitschek and, and how you ended up at, at 530 on May. Yeah, it, it the journey to Evansville, when you when you start looking it up, you go, where really am I going? Where is Evansville? <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing I did. I'm like, wait, am I in Kentucky? <laughs> I'm in Illinois. What in the world? And when you realize, you know, because I travel a lot and I'm around a lot of great places. I've just never been to Evansville, Indiana before. I've been all over Indian Indianapolis and you know, uh, Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor and all these different places, but to be here, it's, it's really cool. It was fun to see the culture, to feel the culture. That wasn't your question, but that was, uh, uh, that was uh, culturally fun to jump in and uh, understand what do you guys think of Kentuckians and what do they think of you? <laughs> and what about the Illinois, you know, just all the dynamics that are at play when you come into a city. So I think that's fascinating. Okay, what was your question? Well, I was going to add to that, like you're bringing up Kentucky. So, you know, Kentucky basketball fans know where Evansville is when the Aces beat them. Oh, uh, wow. One. Wow. Weren't they number one? That at the was time? a little soft. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Everyone. Yeah. What was your question? Yeah. My question was tell us about Jeremy Kubicek. Tell us. Uh, yeah. The experience that has brought you to the Peace Tour. Yeah. Give us a little background. Um, so, okay. So, I'm a farm boy from Oklahoma. Okay. So, my family moved from Prague, Czechoslovakia to Prague, Oklahoma. Okay. And Oklahoma is filled full of immigrants. You have Kremlin, Oklahoma, Russians, Berlin, Oklahoma, Germans. You got all these different towns and cities. So, I grew up in this Czech community and I'm a, a farmer. Um, 
farm community, only child, extrovert. Okay, so put me in a tractor cab with no radio for eight, nine hours a day, and I'm like, what's, what do I want to do? I want to leave. So I graduated from college, and I moved to Russia, as you do. So I moved to Moscow in the early 90s. I was there from 93 to 95. That's where this book came from, Leadership is Dead. Um, I had, uh, while I was there, happened to have a client assassinated. Uh, it was in a coup attempt. Uh, 150 people were killed in a three-block radius. Um, I was in combat for three days. We had um, um, six, seven car bombs, probably seven or eight mafia close calls. Uh, it was just chaos, but 21 to 23 years old. And um, we started an economic school. We started a marketing firm. We started a accounting training business. And I just kind of had a few things that affected me. And I went with a group of other kind of pioneers, and we did this fun work. And then that economic school is the largest economic, it's the largest private school in Moscow today, which is really interesting with the Russian, uh, Ukrainian kind of stuff. So um, I came back with a couple of phrases, um, who says we can't and let the world fund me to influence it. And so we, that's the work that we did. And we, so we did some really fun work. And so these things shape you though, right? And so that's a shaping moment. Um, and then I get this, uh, I'm in a taxi and I'm on my way home from work and I hear on the radio and I, I speak Russian. And so um, on the radio, I hear, you know, basically the city of Oklahoma has blown up. I'm like, what? My fiance's there? My family's there? Uh, hang on. I go up, to, I run up to the stairs. I turn CNN on and I look and my future father-in-law is walking down He's the second guy down the Oklahoma City bombing. And he survived, lost his entire staff. So I moved back to Oklahoma. We get married there. We were planning to live in Russia. So things shift, change, affect you. That experience uh, was life-altering, so we moved back to Oklahoma City. And then since then, I'll fast forward, and I won't tell you the next day and the next day. that We might be here for a long time. But then I, I've gone on and I've started businesses. I've started uh, 29 companies. We have our 30th just about to start. Um, and I create things that uh, businesses that impact people and that have an economic engine with them. Kind of let the world fund you to influence it. And um, that's what I do. So I've been, our family, we've lived in Atlanta for eight or so years. Uh, bought John Maxwell's companies years ago. Uh, built these conferences called Catalyst, LeaderCast, built them up, sold them, um, sold John Maxwell stuff back to him. Uh, lived in London for a few years, had some great experiences. And then I just, I basically get to travel around the world and serve. It doesn't matter um, where it is to me. Uh, people have the same issues around the world. Culturally, it's different and there's cultural dynamics, but like, this week, I've already been in Bhutan. I was in Bhutan via Zoom, uh, working with our team in Bhutan, uh, helping the king of Bhutan to change the culture of Bhutan. So I've been playing there. I've also been working on Adobe last week, trying to implement our work inside Adobe. And I've worked with a local group in Oklahoma City that's just trying to, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, Google, we work with Google and Microsoft. But it's really not about, it's really about like culturally and relationally 
how turned on are you to your work and each other and how alive are you? How empowered are you? How engaged are you? That's the kind of stuff that I get passionate about. Man. That was a long kind of mishmash, but. Much better than uh, me reading it and slaughtering it off the paper there. Thank you for all that insight. So you wrote Leadership is Dead. Then you went and created Five Voices, Five Gears, and 100X Leader with your partner? Yeah, so each one of these, so I write all the books, and I'm, um, I'm an actual writer, and each one of these have such a cool story to them, because when you see them, um, it's like uh, the Peace Index, Wiley, the publisher, they asked, they said, Jeremy, we want, I, I was signing a four book deal, a three book deal. They, they said, can you tack one on, but we need it in October, and this was in April. I'm like, hang on. Uh, they said, can you write a book in a month? but we need it like written in a month. And so I wrote the peace index in 18 days, um, got it to them, edited it in June and July, and it comes out October 4th. Each one of them have their own memories, right? So uh, this one I was leading, um, we had Pat Lencioni, Henry Cloud, I kind of bit, put this group of, I call it Avengers uh, thought leaders together. And John Maxwell, Pat Lencioni, Henry Cloud, Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle, Mark Sanborn, all these, guys that were in the leadership space trying to add Jim Collins. And um, this was, I don't know, 2010 or so. And I got them all together and it's like hurting stallions. They don't like to play together. And Maxwell wanted it to be called, you know, something different and different people had different views. And it just, it wasn't really working like I had hoped. And um, so they said, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you just, you have good, Good stuff. You do it, and that was the impetus to that book. And so I wrote this book, and then it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And probably everyone likes mafia stories and uh, crazy. The, the first first one is a story about me, uh, which happened in it. We get hit by a hurricane. In a hurricane, we get hit by a drunk driver, and almost died in Cancun. So I have crazy stories, and so people like to read them. And that's what probably put that one on the map. So each one of them, that was 2011, this was 2014, 15, 18. And just kind of gives you context when you see them. Like I was setting, there's a story of where I wrote this and how I wrote this book. There's a story about this one, I'd moved back to America. This one uh, is probably one of my favorites, 100X Leader. So um, I don't know, it's just fun when you see like how books are written. And I write them, a lot of people don't write them. They have ghost writers that write them for them. And I write the books, and that's just something I'm always going to do, you know, because it's, it's what I do. So tell us why Peace Index is important now. Yeah, so uh, Wiley said, you know, the world is chaos. Um, we, especially they looked at the November elections, they looked at everything that's happening in this season. We feel like we need a book on peace. And peace is like, you know, you think of peace, it's almost too mystical sometimes or too taboo. Because it's all tied to 60s, world peace, uh, that kind of general thing. And yet, if you think about peace, like we need it. Everyone needs peace. And so what I'd said in the book, which I wish I had it here, just it's not here. Um, every one of you has a number over your head right now. And that number is going up or down based on your purpose, your people, your place, your personal health, and your provision. All of us are off somewhere. 
And one day we're good. You know, uh, you're only as good as your weakest kid if you have kids. Because one of your kids could totally tank you, right? On a given day. One text. And one text. And so your number could go down. And then the next day, but the mature person is the person who develops inner peace when there is no external peace. So actually, how do you build resolute resiliency? How do you build at the core? How do you manage your emotions so that others don't have to manage your emotions? So the idea then is your peace index is your number to help you figure out where you're off and why you're off. And then to go, can I control it or not control it? And oftentimes people will say, like we have a tool in Giant, it's called inhibition or, or prohibition. It's who says you can't. A lot of people feel prohibited from things when it's actually inhibition. But it's easier to blame other people. It's easier to blame, well, they won't let me do it. Yeah, I tried that once. Well, two years ago, we did it, and remember what happened? So, yeah, we can't do it. Uh, really? Or are you afraid to do it? So when you start to list your controllables, they're a lot bigger than you think they are. And when you start actually listening, they go, mm-hmm, yeah, actually, there's only two things that are uncontrollable, the weather and who's president. The rest is controllable. See what I mean? And so you start to do something with your peace level and start realizing my place is really bringing me down. Um, move or rearrange or you can move. Yeah, I know it could be hard, but you yeah. can. That makes sense? So last night you had the one of the quotes up there and you just said it that, you know, manage your emotions so that others don't have to. And we talk about... Uh, Brands, you know what the word a brand is what people say about you when you're not around and you come from marketing So how important is this from a business perspective of how you're The experience for not only you personally the authentic Jeremy and giant But how it represents and plays, you know through your whole entire portfolio. You're talking about peace right? Yes. Yeah, so you think about it. We were talking about VPS. You know you guys had said hey we've really kind of calmed down and kind of gotten into your element of who you are. What if there's a level, and I'm just making this up, right? What if there's a level of peace on a business? Or, or it's a season of peace. Meaning we had good communication. Meaning it's that flywheel up there. Meaning that our relational trust was good. Meaning we were all aligned. And that was an era of peace. Because when one person is off, it's a butterfly effect. It affects another group. So if you have, let's say you had, how many employees do you have? Currently 20. Okay, so there's 20 people. That's 20 different peace levels. The peace index, 20 different uh, circles over 20 different people. And it's up and down. So it's all interrelated. So when you think about, like, if, if you were off, you, you affect you, you affect you, then you're affecting one another and that impact. But it might have nothing to do with the alignment of the business. It might have something to do that someone's hiding a sickness. They don't want to share it with someone else or someone's uh, hiding heartache because of a marriage or a, an issue with their kids or what have you. So that has a direct impact on the level of peace of an organization. So to get it all aligned is really, really hard. Now you stretch that out to Google, who we work with, and oh my goodness, you know, how many people they have and how many locations they have and how many, 
to get and keep everyone organized and aligned and executing is really, really, really difficult. So that's why I, I make the case of it's all about the team leaders. A team leader in an organization are the one that keep the brand strong and they also keep the peace levels high in our organization. Because team leaders, it, how many team leaders do you have? Out of 20. How many uh, people lead people? Leadership-wise, we have three principals, and then I would say we probably have um, maybe five people okay. running projects. So those five people have the most influence on everyone because they lead that group of people. And you could have one team that's off. Why don't you share who's off the most? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you think about like... One team leader, uh, and I love the spotlight here. Yeah, it's so yeah, fun. It just came in. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, hey, it's, um, come on, let's do it. Hey, we're live. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but if you think about the team leader, um, that the team leader is the most important for that group of people. If that person is off, that team can be off. One team leader. Uh, I'm working with athletics, and I do a lot uh, of, of with OU Athletics, uh, University of Oklahoma. And... Um, with the sports, with the leaders, I have, um, there's one team, one division. They were one leader away from it being really, really strong. And they found that person and oh my goodness, like the dynamics, just one person can make a big, big difference. So when you have one person at peace and they're leading effectively, it changes the game. But you have one leader who's not at peace, right? It can wreck and affect an entire team. So... You've talked about your journey, your story, your experience, and there was a lot of there was a lot of times where a lot of people would have said, "Check, you know, you know, the wreck in Cancun, or you're in Russia and going through the coup." Like the power of you know, you talk about resiliency. How important is that to entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, think about. Um there's there's an old adage and an old uh, phrase of you know, when you're weak you're strong you know weakness can lead to strength because and it can and so it, what it does is it gives perspective and I'm just a big believer on perspective of like you know I had uh, the chance to be to almost die in Mexico all right that happened uh, how did that make me better you know I look at life differently I'm like. Well, I've, I, this is my second life. Uh, like I literally die. I was gone for four and a half, five minutes. I'm one of those guys. I got to float outside the car and outside the body and could see myself in the car. And I wasn't breathing for four, four and a half minutes. So um, that affects you, right? Um, seeing people get killed and actually in combat or see people, um, that gives you a different perspective of life. Just like a lot of of uh, war vets, um, you know, they have different perspectives. It can be good or bad. But I'm choosing to use things um, to make us better. And so for me, it's perspective. And that's why a lot of people ask, where does the content come from? Well, it's perspective. Uh, and it's saying yes to things and experiencing things that are really unique. Last night, we had a great dinner. We said yes to a dinner last night. Uh, Amazing. Uh, with Sid um, and at his house, I'm like, are we in? We're not in Indiana. We're in India. It was that yes. kind of an evening last night. It was so fun and such a unique experience. So I forgot the 
your question again. Just the, you know, for the entrepreneurs, the resiliency and, you know, that inner peace that helps you, you know, be able to say one more yes. Don't waste anything. Don't waste anything. So a lot of people can, can look at things. Uh, like when I was in England, this is funny. Um, England has very, very uh, posh. It's a very caste system. It's either like, hey, mate, yeah, what, what you thinking? Like that level. Or it's very, oh, yes, so Jeremy, tell me about your family. And so I was writing this book uh, in this place called Clibden House. Now, if you want to have fun, um, Google Cl Clibden, Clive Den House. And we were across the street. It was, we were, that was our neighbor. This is the Waldorf Astoria home. This is Lady Astor, Churchill, famous, famous, famous. Probably the top three or four places in England. And we lived across the street, okay, in this old manor. And um, I wrote the book in the stables of Clifton House. They had, a little, they had a little room that was for members. And I would just go every day and go write for a few hours. And I, have the, and I would meet these, um, these British, very successful British entrepreneurs, or, or not, I shouldn't say entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurship in England is not valued. It's almost seen as new money, and they like old money. So if you know someone's old money, they'll have like a hole in their jacket or buttons off, and they're very wealthy, but they don't want to show that they have wealth, they have money, so they keep showing that it's a kind of aristocratic, older, right? So they would they would watch me over there, and eventually someone would come over to me, and they're like, "So yes, Jeremy, now what do you do again? Like, tell me about you. now what? Who's your family? You know that kind of a thing." I'm like, "We're farmers from Oklahoma, and we're just renting across the street." <laughs> they're like, "No, no, 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 really." I'm like, "No, really." Like, so entrepreneurship is, is one of the most fun things ever because it trains you to do certain things. My, uh, with my kids, all my kids, I have three, all of them have to have, they had to have a business by 15 years old. That was the way that, that we just had our, our family. So our son had an auto detailing company. You either had to work for someone significantly or you had to have your own business. Um, our oldest daughter was writing children's books. She still does. She does that. And then the youngest, um, she built, she's like the, probably the most entrepreneurial. Um, she has a brand called Built by Bondi. She makes like Lululemon type clothing, sources it from Vietnam through Australia. It's a really cool, but they all had to have a business at 15. And that's part of the, the way that our, because the reason was you need to learn the lessons so much faster. So an example of the lesson my son learned in auto detailing, uh, he's like, yeah, I've got Bobby and got Nate and all my buddies are helping me. Two and a half months later, my friends are awful workers. <laughs> They're not reliant at all. I'm like, lesson number one, right? So guess what he does? He goes to younger kids that look up to him who will work hard because they're working for will. And now he learned a big lesson at 15 about how to scale and how, how hard scaling a business is. Those are the kind of things that I think are just um, fun. So to me, entrepreneurship, I think everyone should have a side hustle. Everyone should have something because you learn from that perspective uh, in, in a different way. And real quick, I have this, um, 
a view of it, it's called O's and X's. An O is someone who has a job. And most people trade time for money and they have benefits and status for the job. It's great. 90% of the population are O's. There's a paycheck every two weeks. And if you want a bigger O, maybe you look for one, you know, you can keep expanding all the way up to your comfort level. But there's a wall between an O and an X. An X is an entrepreneur. An X is a portfolio lifestyle. But there's risk involved. You got to pay for your own insurance. You've got days where you may not, you're paying all of your O's that work for you, but you don't make money yourself. So the X, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? There's some of you are like, yeah. So the X life is a different type of life and it can look, be looked down upon because they're typically hustlers. I mean, hustlers in that, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, hustlers and they, they have to make it happen or it could go out of business. Well, for me, I just have lived a life of like, if it fails, it fails, we're going for it. So my wife and our family, we're building a wedding venue right now on our family farm. We have a thousand acres. I'm not going to farm it. I'm an only child. I'm not going to farm it. We're going to lease that out once my dad stops farming, but we're going to create a wedding complex that launches here this fall. Um, and we've reclaimed the land that I grew up on and we're having multiple locations for weddings. So that's just an example again, but we're doing it as a family. So everyone kind of is working on their own roles. So that's kind of an example of like, uh, who says you can't do some things, do things that, you know, live, live life uh, to its fullest. And I think entrepreneurship allows you to do that. Amazing. Yeah. I like the, I like the time analogy, learning faster. Because we're in a profession right now where I would say probably when I started, you know, you could make changes to your business and you could make changes and you could get involved with a client, get to know them. And it probably took 10 years before that, you know, change really had to change again. Now, I would say it's yearly. If you're not changing yearly, if you're not being innovative, then those clients don't want you. They're on to the next person. And it, and it happens so much faster and it's trying to get that speed. And so when the communication barriers and the stuff in the office is holding you back from being innovative, that's really a problem in our totally. industry. 100%. So technology, digital, you know, Mike and I, when we started this partnership uh, with App 530 on Main, his industry changing architecture, you know, you're in AR, you're in VR worlds, you're being able to walk through and look at that. How has digital media technology impacted the leadership space? Yeah, absolutely. Well, most people, um, when we were living in uh, London, um, I was basically noticing some things that uh, there was 20th century learning and 21st century learning. 20th century learning is traditional, um, go to a conference and buy a book. So butts and seats, sell them a book. That was kind of the mantra of John Maxwell back in the day. And um, so with, and, and that was your learning, right? And then you'd go through bullet points. Well, um, we realized that, you know, most, all of us, how many of you are, have seen these devices? You guys seen these? Uh, do, you, do you watch more video than you've ever watched before? Right? Do you read less? So most people read less, watch more. So we had to create visual tools. So these visual tools on the wall are examples of what we've done because we realize that most adults are cynical know-it-alls. They don't read anymore and you have to capture it fast and you have to create it 
where if I can teach you a tool on a cocktail napkin and you can teach someone else, that's actually a method. It's, it's, a, it's a learning method. And it's a method because you're now teaching someone. When you teach, you learn. So support challenge matrix. You guys seen the support challenge? High support, high challenge. The idea is I can teach you that in about three, four minutes and you go, oh my goodness. So what we figured out is tools, visual tools are like mirrors. I look at them and go, okay, so this is where, this is where my piece level is, where's yours? And I can hold up a mirror and now it's objective language, not subjective language. It's not me going, you know, you need to step it up. Right? Let's go. Are we good? We had our talk, right? You're like, I don't know what you mean. Instead, I go, hey, this is the support challenge matrix. Where do you think you are right now? I'll tell you where I am. So we created this style of learning, and I'm getting to technology here in a minute, but we, we really feel like we innovated uh, leader development and learning for the 21st century busy adult so that you can learn it fast, you get it quick, you can apply it immediately. And it's, it's not just theory, there's something you can do right now. I could have you do the peace index right now and you're gonna have an aha. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm really off with people, I didn't realize it, or whatever the issue is. So all of them are like mirrors. Well now take that and go, 2018, I was realizing, okay, we've got to figure out technology. So in 2019, I made a massive, massive change. And I'm not afraid to do these things. And I was CEO at the time. Um, we're going into technology in a big way. So we, we went fully in and we decided, let's go from a traditional consulting group to open source licensing model using SaaS technology, which is software as a service. So subscription-based. So we started off with kind of Peloton meets Netflix. And like, well, that'd be great. So we'll do the same thing. And we've now adjusted to more of Apple TV, like, like Apple does with, hey, there's different things you can do. So we've created now a system that we partner with people like Sean. So Sean is a partner with Giant and we, he's our client. Um, you're not our client. Uh, you're his client. He's our client. So we basically find uh, coaches, consultants, counselors, trainers, speakers, anyone in that space, and we become a partner. And then they use Giant, and they use our technology, they use our systems, they use all of it. to, And that's how we've figured out how to scale. And now we have, we moved from 100 Sean's to 850 Sean's, and we've got, we're on our way to about 3,000 of them. And then we have something called the Catalyst that is an internal specialist. So my point is, is that technology allowed us to scale. And I think we're the only ones, I can't see anyone. I think we're the only leadership company that is uh, using technology that's SaaS driven. And that what that does is that lowers the cost to allow everyone to play. So now it's not, it's because it was always too expensive to bring people and scale it. And so now we've solved the price issue and using technology um, and some of the things that we're working on right now, they're just amazing. And so we have a tech team that's phenomenal. So yeah, we moved from a traditional leadership content company to now a SaaS technology-driven certification business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sits right in your, so it's the giant operating system, right? I mean, it's uh, Bronson leading the charge on, on that side, coming from a SaaS 
you know, as software as a solution organization and really leading that charge to scale something objectively. That's it. And, and it is. It's, it's very much like the Apple TV. It's uh, the apps. You get, a, you get a Five Voices app or you get a 100X Leader app or you get your Five Voices assessment app. And it's, it's just so tailored. We, to we what can, you need. You yeah. can just choose what you need and what you don't. So it, it, it makes it a lot easier. But, you know, it's, all, it's still down to personal development, uh, which I'm the biggest believer. That's why books can, can work. A course can work. Content, videos. It, it's the same thing. It's basically this. Hey, how are you? Do you see the broccoli on your teeth? I have it. I have a lot. I, I have a lot of broccoli on my teeth, and I've been getting it out myself. So it's so much better when, if you, one, recognize you have broccoli in your teeth, two, getting it out yourself and not having someone else get it out for you. That ultimately is called self-awareness, right? If some of you are checking. You don't have broccoli. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was also the challenge. You say self-improvement, and I think everybody saw self-improvement as, well, I'm just improving me, right? Just, oh, me, me, me. And now with giant what I see is well how are people seeing me what's the other side of the table like what am I doing of not I'm not I'm a bad communicator right that's my worst connector for I'm just like Sean but what, how are the people seeing my inability to communicate and what are they needing from me in order to communicate more effectively not just well I'm going to be a better communicator so I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to talk to everybody right right, no, right. it's not that because it's it's influence it's all about improving your influence with every person you work with or with your spouse or your kids or, and influence, the influence game is pretty simple. There's one side, there's competency and credibility. The other side, there's character and chemistry. If you are a thinker, that's, this is why I don't understand why people are so averse to like understanding personality. Most people are like, I don't want to be labeled. And the beauty of five voices is it doesn't label you. You're all of them. Wouldn't you just like to figure out your foundation? Who are you really at your core? And it's a competitive advantage. So when you're speaking to someone, you go, okay, they're a feeler. Okay. If they're a feeler, you're going to start off with, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? You guys good? Everything? Character, chemistry. You're going to start off with a relationship. If you're a thinker and you know you're talking to a thinker, don't ask that question for very long. Going, what's up? What are you thinking about today? What's on your mind today? Go right into thinking. And then back into how is your family? It, it's literally that simple to start understanding. But most people don't take the time to think about who they're talking to. Now, I'm a connector, so I'm a translator. I spend most of my time translating for people what I see and all the little vibes. So I have like these little spidey senses and I can feel, ooh, something's off here or um, see. And so, or you guys aren't connecting. But if you do connect with someone and you have influence on someone, that will move the needle for your organization, for your family, for you. It just, it just helps. So why wouldn't you do it? So an example of this is back to football coaches. I'm helping football coaches connect to their players uh, at the Power Five level, you know, at, at University of Oklahoma. I'm teaching. So what I've done is I've got, I took five plants that illustrate the five voices. 
I put a ficus, or real plants. I had a ficus, I had a potato vine, and then I had, you know, I can't remember the other two, a succulent over here, and then a cactus over here. It was basically how much water is needed. And I'm looking and going, do you realize that all of you have on your team five different kinds of plants? And it was uh, uh, one of the segment groups had 10 different people in this players. And out of them, they had four. We t had them take the test. They had four out of the five plants. But the coach was a cactus. Doesn't need much water. So if the coach then does the same thing, yells, screams, how effective? Well, maybe the succulent and maybe the cactus are going to be okay with that. But the other three, they're going to die on the vine. So how effective can you be? And they got it. They're like, oh my gosh. I said, do you see these plants? Because all the plants, I bought them at the store and I grabbed one of the cards and it says, this is how much water it needs. This is where you position it in the sun. It tells you how to make that plant. So the question is, does that plant want to grow? Yes, the plant wants to grow. Do you want it to grow? If you're a, a gardener, yes. So we're partnering in growth. It wants to grow. I want it to grow. So why did I put this plant underneath here under the desk? And then I pull it out and go, oh, man, plants these days. God, you can't find millennial plants. You just can't find good plants, right? So we go online and find another plant, plant.com. Go get more plants. Bring them in. Put them under the desk. Yeah. No. Wouldn't it be smart? Oh, this one. Oh, this one needs some sun over here. Yep. There we go. Awesome. Grow, right? I want it to grow. It wants to grow. It's about positioning. So, but you also need to know who you are and what your natural tendencies are. And yeah, so you're a cactus. How good are you at watering ficus? Probably not very good. Can you get good? Yes. But you got to think. That makes sense? Yeah, or the other favorite line. This is how I did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't, this is how I did it. I never got training. Like this. Yeah. Why should you get it? What? Just because you didn't get training? So I always say uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd want done. Uh, do unto others as you'd want done to yourself, right? Well, I don't need a hug. Why should you get one? I don't, I don't want hugs. That's like misinterpreted golden rule. I'm like, no, the platinum rule, do unto others as they would want done. Do unto others as the plant needs. This one needs more water. It just is. You might not like it, but give them more water. The cactus, yeah, you can put them up on the shelf. They'll be fine. Being cognizant of time. And one of the main questions we ask here on App 530 on Maine, and we've talked a lot about experience. What does the word experience mean to you, Jeremy? Um, experience is like, um, I think of it as immersion. Like you get immersed in something and you connect with it in the way it was intended for you to do it. And for people who create experiences, that's awesome. So we used to have this uh, brand called Catalyst. It was the Catalyst Conferences. And it, we had 15,000 people coming to this live event. And we wanted them to have an experience. We wanted, them, we wanted to get them out of their norm, their leadership norm. So what we did is we created, we put a carnival, 
uh, before you, you got to Catalyst two hours before because you didn't want to miss the pre-show, but the pre-show was outside. So we had a Tilt-A-Whirl, we brought in a Ferris wheel. I mean, we made it in the carnival, like, and we'd have like, you felt like a kid. And so, and then we'd have like random people passing out donuts when you got out of your car way out in the parking lot. And just, so then you got into your seats and it would go completely dark. 15,000 people, stages in the middle. And we would do the craziest things. All of a sudden you hear this drum, kind of a drum line. And we brought over the Japanese drum line and the lights go on one and like, what? And these drummers with old traditional Japanese drum, you know, it was just, you're not expecting it. So you're creating those opportunities to go, oh my goodness, I am so excited to be here. I can't even wait. And like, we haven't even gotten to the content yet. So we'd go on and do more things. Uh, we, would, we had 15,000 people were like, I bet you we can break a Guinness Book of World Records every time. So we started breaking Guinness Book of World Records. We had the guy jump the highest from 40 something feet into 12 inches of water. We shot a guy inside uh, the cannon, the cannon, you know, the shoot. We were the, the furthest indoor cannon shooter. We brought the uh, Dodge, the national US dodgeball team, there is one. And we brought him up on stage and we gave everyone in the audience a mini dodgeball. And you had 15,000 dodgeballs all going to the dodgeball team in the middle. You can look this kind of stuff up. That's the kind of stuff that creates experience. So that when people talk about your brand, they're like, you do not want to miss it. It's the best thing ever. This It was a show. So I value those kinds of things. Now, that's a little bit grandiose. So I, I value, you know, we built, uh, my wife and I built a neighborhood. It's called the Prairie Post. And it's a modern farmhouse neighborhood, 20 houses on 50 acres, eight acres of common walking space, three ponds, um, really cool ponds. We have a meeting house, we have chickens, we have literally a common garden area. And it's not a commune, okay? <laughs> but we, when you drive into the prairie, we set the tone with what it looks like and how it's built and how the curve hits. And we created an experience that people live in. And when you go there, we wanted to create, uh, we wanted to create your primary home and make it feel like a lake house. We wanted you to feel like your vacation house as your primary house, and that's what we pulled off. And so those are things that we value. So we create spaces, right? Now we say buildings are great. We can create the greatest building ever, beautiful design, but the people make it the space and the experience at that building. So what's a space or a location? Can be a building anywhere that really makes you emotional, makes you stop and think. Or, I, yeah, I, I looked at that question. I was having a hard time because my mind. I go through. I've been a lot of places and traveled a lot, and I've seen. I've seen all the big sites, you know, and you get to the Eiffel Tower and you see certain things and uh, traveled around. Was it Hitler's Eagle's Nest? Which you think that really, but it was really cool. Uh, but it was. Uh, it, I was at Hitler's Eagle's Nest, and I was up there, and it, it really, really, really hit me, not for Hitler. He was afraid of heights. He wouldn't go up, and he was afraid. He was, <laughs> for being this leader that he was, he had all these phobias. He had a phobia of small, he was a, what do you call, small spaces. He, he didn't like to be trapped, claustrophobic. He had a fear of heights. 
He had a fear of assassination. So he, he went up like once or twice. But I got up there. But to your point, it, it was like beautiful. And you're like, this is amazing. If you've been to Birch's Garden or in the Alps, beautiful. But then I'm there and I run into a friend who's there with his dad uh, from Oklahoma. We were living in London and we run into him like, what, Aubrey? And a guy named Aubrey McClendon, who was the fracking king of, of America. And his dad was with him. And his dad um, is, was part of the 101st Airborne who liberated Hitler's Eagle's Nest. And we go in and had lunch with the guy that liberated that. And he told us stories about, yeah, old Scotty, whatever, had his butt, pistol butt, and hits that and took that marble right there. And I was standing right, and he's telling you the story. So it like history came alive. So like if you can be at a place where history comes alive, then it's amazing, right? So the Churchill War Rooms are amazing. They make you emotionally connect with World War II. So I'm just a, a World War II buff, and so th that's what came to mind. What's, what's a product that you use every day that's designed well that you'd, you'd just Other than Rogaine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm joking. Gosh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to sound boring, but I, my first thought was just AirPods and what AirPods have done, mm -hmm. right? And how, like, like the AirPod, um, I'm walking over, and we, had, we were out eating Indian food late at night, okay? <laughs> really late. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man. Uh, but I'm, I'm walking from the hotel on the Doubletree over here, and I'm like, AirPods in? And I'm playing this song. Um, there's a song that I've been listening to as I wrote the piece in the deck. So it's like, it just goes over and over. I'm at peace when the world isn't. I'm at peace when the world isn't. And it goes and plays that over and over again. Uh, it's so amazing. Uh, I'm at peace when the world isn't. And I listened to that. So that one product allowed me to get my mind right so quickly. Because I was like, boom, boom, in, hit play. And all of a sudden, I'm transported to get ready for this talk, right? To get my mind centered. Um, so that's a product that I just go, I appreciate it. Now, it, we might find out that it's given all of us cancer um, and brain cancer uh, because of it. I don't know how that, all that works. But I am amazed at certain products that go, how does that work? You know what I mean? When you think about Wi-Fi still, I still don't get it. Even though it's been explained a million times. I don't understand how that's connecting, but I love it. So if this was the 80s, it, you would have been walking down the street oh, with a totally. jam box. I'd have my double cassette. cassette. I used to, I, I was good uh, at making tapes for people, yeah. you know, and, and I had my Swatch watch. And I was making, I made, uh, I made a lot of money. These little bands, I would customize bands for $10. So people would give me their Swatch Watch. I'd cut it. I'd put stickers on it. I'd make all these. I had, a, I had, I had some good business. Nice. We are 55 minutes in here, it looks like. Mike is going to his uh, famous pod. Hey, Sean found this. So you, yeah. you tell the story. Social media. I just, just to scroll. I like it. All right. It's fun questions. Unique. Yeah. Impromptu questions. We can answer with you or...
Yeah. However you If you were a tree, what tree it. would you be, right? What characteristic are you most known for? It's a pretty good one for I'm outside looks, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> that I look like Jerry Seinfeld. I get that a lot. She said, no, he doesn't. No. <laughs> well, what are you thinking? Cool. Yeah, yeah. What are you thinking? If I go up a little higher, what are you thinking? <laughs> what characteristic are you most known for? Pass. <laughs> I, I think I, for me, I would just say uh, I love to encourage people. I think it's random acts of encouragement. Um, I will, uh, I had just the, it's just everyone has a skill or a strength or whatever, but I have this ability and maybe it's a connector or whatever. I can be with someone and it can be a little spooky, but I can literally call them up and see who they are when they can't see it. And then I call them up into it. I'm like, do you not know who you are? Let's go. You're right here. And then just encourage them and into that thing. That's, that's why I exist. I was brought on the planet to encourage people. I just use books for encouragement. So. You got to go. You have one. I don't know if I'm known for this, but I would say for me, it's, and you learn a little bit in Giant that, you know, I always worry about the 10% that was wrong, not the 90% that was right. And so I always, you know, we had that happen yesterday to me, and it's like, now all I can think about is like, okay, how do we fix that? How do we make it better? How do we improve? Not what did we do well on anything else? Doesn't matter. It goes out the window and we got to fix this. So you have to celebrate. So you, you have to celebrate I'm the 90%. Very, very bad at celebrating. I'm sure everybody can agree. I think it's very hard for me to do. So that would be fun today. Pick one thing or one person to celebrate. So if you think about somebody... Literally celebrate someone or celebrate something and randomly surprise them. And if you're listening or if you're in here, we're going to have, what, 20 people, 25 people who are going to get encouragement today randomly, and they didn't even know it today. Don't make it up. It's got to be real. But if there's something or someone you want to celebrate, give it a whirl. Can the thinker come back around and answer? Yes. You know, all right. Well, the characteristic that you're most known for, I don't know. I can go back even childhood experiences. Probably uh, these things right here. Everybody, you know, I do have, you know, bigger ears, but gives me the ability to listen a lot. But uh, know that when I do listen, that uh, I think people on the other side experience that there's going to be something that's coming back and it's going to be meaningful and it's going to be what's next. And, uh, Maybe uh, that personal characteristic is innovation. Good. I can see that. You see that? All right. So uh, as we start to wrap up at 530 on Main, any questions? Let's open. We've never opened it up for questions. We've never had a live audience. Who has questions for Jeremy or Mike? Or Sean? Why five voices and not six voices or seven voices? How did you get to five? Um, yeah, so it's actually a formula that we created. Uh, Steve Cockrum is just a personality guru. He's really, really competent. And he was Myers-Briggs um, kind of guru. And so we took that uh, and created a formula off the middle two letters that actually led us to five distinct um, voices. There's 16 different personality types and wirings, but it kind of boils all down to five from an actual scientific 
way. So we just took the formula that was right in front and like, hey, it could have been six, could have been seven, but there's five. And so that, that led us to foundations. So you know that you know if you're a, a connector or a pioneer or a creative or a guardian or a nurture, those are the five, but then the second voice makes that even stronger. You know, so there's 16 different variations, um, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. A connector to another connector. Yeah. How do you find yourself um, when you overconnected? How do you recharge or re-energize? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it happens on a daily basis. Or like, yep, I did too much. Yep, <laughs> overdid it. Um, it. It goes back to you know what brings you life. So what brings me life? And so for me, it's probably um, the thing about connectors is that we can easily reset. It doesn't take us long. It's like we can be down, we can be frustrated, and then one text, one email, one phone call can reinvigorate us. And so usually it's hanging out with my family uh, or it's a, a group of buddies or going out to dinner or hanging out together. I'm starting these fire pit nights because of the fall and I'm just inviting guys over and, you know, and, and I like variety, so I just mix and match people. Uh, it's music for me. It's travel for me. It's that dinner last night was recharging and a fun, you know, things like that, like experiences, uh, will do it for me. So I don't, connectors don't stay down long. Um, I've noticed unless they really, really get wounded and a wounded connector will look like a nurturer, which is really interesting, but connectors can recharge pretty quickly because we're, uh, if you think about it, feelers, or, or extroverts, they recharge with, they're like a solar, or solar panel. Wherever the sun is, there it is, then I can recharge. So wherever an activity is or something, I can recharge very, very quickly. All right. So what's one thing that you're looking forward to experiencing in the next 20, you know, 24 hours? We'll go 24 hours. Well, if I stretch it out, I'm actually going to um, the university. I'm going to the ne OU Nebraska game. So I'm actually flying on the team plane Friday with the team. And I'm excited about our first. This is, this is a new era with Coach Venables. And I'm excited. This is the first road game. And I'm excited to see how the players. So I have a big speech that I give on Thursday to them. And so I'm excited about that one. And I'm talking about um, adversity. I'm talking about negativity and how to eradicate negativity. And I'm just excited to see how they respond. Amazing. So to all those out there and that don't know how to connect to Jeremy Kubacek, how do listeners on the podcast get a hold of you? Yeah, so the easiest is um, my really hard name, jeremykubacek.com. Right, which is not the easiest, but people can figure it out. Um, that would be the, the, the one way if you wanted to find out. If you want to see the Peace Index, uh, the book is thepeaceindexbook.com. Thepeaceindexbook.com, and you can find out details there. And obviously, if you want to order it, I would appreciate that. That's how, it, you know, it's just, it's helpful, but it's a really practical, good book. I mean, the people I've given it to in the beginning just to help, you know, what do you think? It was like, I couldn't put it down. Because it's so practical, um, and so I'm excited for that launch. Wonderful. Once again, Mike, thank you for joining us again. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This was great. Enjoyed it. Thank you for being here. 
want to thank uh, Lawman Tactical again um, for helping us out and get uh, Jeremy here. Uh, VPS Architecture for always partnering on the App 530 on Main with Extend Group. Uh, you can find more of these podcast episodes and soon to be more live YouTube podcast uh, recordings on theextendgroup.com or extendgroup.com and vpsarc.com. Go there. You can see, I think there's 40 plus uh, episodes that have been uh, recorded and uh, live there. They're on uh, multiple, I think we're on 10 plus different streaming platforms today. The team does a really good job to make that happen. Uh, on both websites, vpsarc.com and extendgroup.com, there's an opportunity for you to go and recommend the next person that gets to sit in the seat and have this conversation on the word experience. So if you would go there, fill it out, uh, let us know who you would like to hear from or the story that others need to experience. And if you would, rate it one star five star uh, hopefully five stars but we will improve if it's a one or a two but once again thank you for coming out to our first live at 530 on main jeremy thank you for coming and being a, a part of our community for the next what 12 well yeah six hours left six hours left he's out at two o'clock thank you all Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.